we often get this, right? Somebody comes up to us, they say, I was wondering if I could ask you for a favor. We've heard these words and we thought, uh, okay, so what's coming next? And then immediately our mind begins racing. Do I say, sure. Or do I say, depends on what you're asking. Or do I say, of course. Is of course going to be committing too much because I don't know what's coming next. Or do I maybe say, maybe. Is that too little? Right? This is a, this is a phrase we hear. Can I ask you for a favor? We've also been on the other side of this relationship conundrum, right? As the person requesting a favor. Often in life, we find ourselves, though, in a position of needing someone else's power or influence in order for our good to be had or for the good of another person, right? We maybe ask for a favor on behalf of somebody else because we know somebody that they don't know or we need something that, you know, this other person has. We find ourselves, though, often facing this social barrier. We need someone else to help us get through something, right? So we have to say those words, can I ask you for a favor? And our world, though, is full of these social barriers, right? There are economic barriers, there are gender barriers, there are ethnic barriers. And it seems to me that the Christian faith has far too often shied away from addressing these difficulties, though, from addressing the fact that there are these real barriers in the world. And yet the Word of God actually speaks directly to them repeatedly. I think we especially see this in From Prison, when Paul writes to his friend Philemon, and he's going to ask him for a favor. He's going to request that Philemon let the gospel break down a social barrier. He's going to ask him to let the gospel break down a social barrier. In Philemon, we learn of the full implication of the gospel, that Christ calls us to break down social barriers using all at our disposal for the betterment of other people. So let's listen to this book. We're going to listen to the whole thing. And I'm going to, I want you to really hear it. You can read along if you want, but I really want you to hear it as the original listeners would have. So this would have been sent by uh, Tychicus, probably delivered this, Paul's colleague. So Paul's colleague, Tychicus, likely sent this on behalf of Paul, along with the letter to the Colossians. And so he says, he opens it with his, his address of who he is, who Paul is. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So they're co-authors is what he's saying. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. You guys catch that? The Colossian church meets in Philemon's house. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. 
It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Ephaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. In Philemon, we learn of the full implications of the gospel. Christ calls us to break down social barriers, using all at our disposal for the betterment of other people. I think there's three main things that I want to hit on in regard to this idea of breaking down social barriers that first, most people, right, if they're imprisoned for their faith, they would think their luck had ran out and that all their power was forfeit, not Paul. He uses his influence to ask for the reconciliation of a slave. He tells Philemon, in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do which is to welcome Onesimus back into his household. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. He says this in verses 8 to 9. So in a Greco-Roman household, right, slaves were part of that household. So there would be the husband and the wife. The husband is the head of the household, Philemon. His wife, who would likely overlook the whole rest of the household, including the slaves, and all of his children, and, and there could be multiple generations living within this one household. And we know Philemon is wealthy. 
right? He, his house is big enough that everybody can come over and have church there. The church at Colossae is dependent upon him. And Paul, from prison, rather than thinking he has forfeited it all, uses the last little bit of his power, his influence, to appeal for who? A slave. He's going to break down social barriers. Now, second, it's important to remember that slavery in the Greco-Roman world was very different from colonial slavery. So Onesimus is likely a debt slave, which means he voluntarily, this we know this from verse 18, by the way, he voluntarily entered slavery to basically pay off a debt. It was a credit system, right? So instead of having a credit card, he's going to pay it off with his work, with his labor. And at some point, he left. So instead of paying back the people he owed, Philemon and his household, he leaves. And somewhere along the way, he meets Paul, who's in prison. And so uh, through this whole scenario, Paul sees an opportunity, right? So he says, Onesimus has been useful to him. By the way, this is a play on his name. His name means useful. Onesimus has been useful to him. And he sees this as an opportunity to break down another barrier. This one is economic, right? So first he's breaking down this slave barrier, and now he's going to break down this economic barrier. And he says in verse 18, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. In other words, he's saying, I will take on his debt if necessary. Third, Paul commits the full power at his disposal for the purpose of reconciliation. He says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me in verse 17. So in other words, he's saying, if we truly are partners in ministry, if we really are in business together, bud, welcome him as you would welcome me. Receive him in the same way you would receive me. In other words, he's taking the bottom of the social ladder and putting him in the position of someone who has power, Paul. Paul is influential as an apostle. He's influential as a businessman. He's influential in all sorts of ways. He's a Roman citizen. He's a top, top educated Jew. And he takes all of this at his disposal and he says, receive Onesimus, this slave, as you would receive me. So he breaks down the economic barrier. He breaks down the slavery barrier. He breaks down the status barrier. He is going to knock down all these barriers in his approach to Philemon. This makes me think a lot about favors, right? I mean, that's basically what Paul is asking here. He's asking for a favor. He does everything but say, do it, <laughs> right? I mean, he goes around everything but saying directly, you must do this. I've had to call in a lot of favors recently. I'm working on a project that requires me to, and it's uncomfortable, right? It's really uncomfortable to call in favors. And especially when you get rejected, and then you have to keep doing it, it's, it's painful, you know, it's like repeatedly being punched in the face and you just keep going forward, right? Like a boxer would, you just, you keep pressing in and Paul is doing this. He's calling in these favors. Now, my particular project actually represents an effort toward equality for people. So I keep trying to remember that, okay, I'm calling in these favors because I'm trying to bring equality. So when I was reading Philemon, I thought of this, right? How can I muster the strength, as Paul did, 
to use whatever's at my disposal for Christ's sake, whatever relationships I have. Because the gospel, as Paul is showing us here, means equality. Power is used for reconciliation, for the good of other people. As God's people go about their daily lives, social barriers should be broken down. This means that when the Christian is faced with inequality, whether it be racial, gender, economic, occupational, or otherwise, he or she musters the full power at their disposal to do something about it. It is because Christ gave up power for our sakes that we do so for other people. He came in flesh, giving up the power that he had with God the Father as fully there in spirit and took on mortal being as Mary's son to come into the world to be flesh. This is what Paul talks about in Philippians 2, 5 to 11, right? That he didn't see the power of something to behold, but instead to be given up for the sake of us. So Paul says in Philemon uh, verse 21, he says, Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Oh, if only we could learn to be obedient to our Lord, right? If only we could do more than he asks to give up of everything we have for the sake of those with less power. You know, when faced with the cross, I think like, am I ready to do that? Am I ready to give up all of that for, for Christ as he did for me? It should humble us and put us in a place where we think, am I ready to embrace the cross of Christ? We hear, I was wondering if I could ask you for a favor. And we think, how will I respond? And, and like you, I imagine, I've had many friends write me and ask me for a favor, put in a phone call. Sometimes it's even for a friend of a friend of a friend, right? It's like three or four people down asking for help. And I think of Paul's example with honestness. And I wonder, have I shown love and honor to others? When someone has shown me incredible kindness, like Onesimus has Paul tending to him in the middle of his imprisonment, have I returned the favor like Paul does? In our world full of give and take and haves and have-nots, right? it is easy to become focused on our needs rather than the needs of others. It's easy to forget about the empowerment the gospel calls us to, that it's about empowering other people when Jesus puts himself on that cross, he gives us a model of what it means to love. He gives us reconciliation, and he gives us the cause of reconciliation. Christians are called to grant the same reconciliation to other people that Christ has granted us. So when we're low, when we are in the metaphorical prison of our difficulties, it can be easy to become self-focused and even reclusive. But Paul sets a better example. Paul looks at his surroundings, and rather than seeing what is right in front of him, his shackles and his walls of his prison, he thinks of how he could be as useful to Onesimus as Onesimus has been to him. Paul tells Philemon, perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. In verse 15, 
Paul, he sees social barriers coming down. He sees the walls of the imprisonment of all the barriers we have put up falling and the chains being broken and the reconciliation of Christ. He sees power used for good. That's a message I want to see us live. That's a message I hope I can live. That's a message of the gospel. And that is good news. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we want to be people of reconciliation. We want to be like Paul, using everything at our disposal for the good of others. The rather than looking at the pain and the difficulty, seeing a way forward instead. And we praise you for that opportunity, O oh God, that we have in front of us. Let us be people of empowerment who do not see power as something to behold, but to instead be given away. We praise you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand alongside you in your work of breaking down the social barriers of our world. May we be useful for you. Thank you for calling us brother and friend, O oh Jesus. In Jesus Christ, then we pray these things. Amen.